You're listening to the Pure Fury Creations Entertainment Network. The views and opinions expressed on this episode are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the views, opinions, or philosophies of the PFC Entertainment Network or any of the affiliates that make this show possible. This show has also been rated M for mature audiences only. Uh, We are going to uh, tackle a genre of sorts. But you and I didn't have any clue what the hell we were going to do. We're going to talk about movies, we're going to talk about TV shows, we're going to talk about toys, we're going to talk about, you know, all the things that made this such such an important part. I love toys. I'm Jason Klaus. I'm Sean Grugel. And we are power tripping the 80s here on the pfc podcast network powered by anchor.fm <laughs> sorry hello everybody. that's some good stuff that you're puffing on over there <laughs> pardon me <laughs> Lord have mercy. We're okay. We're okay because it's Wednesday here in uh, in PFC land. You're listening to the Power Tripping Through the 80s. I'm Jason Klaus. He is Sean Grugel, and we are proud representatives of the PFC Entertainment Network. Uh, we have a pretty cool topic on hand, uh, one that, that required us to kind of uh, dive a little bit deeper into our childhood, our fandom, our appreciation. We'll get to it here in a little bit. Before, but before we do, uh, Mr. Google, I make no bones about the fact that this is one of the few highlights that I have in my every week. So, with that being said, it's great to see you. How are things in your neck of the woods? Oh man, thing, things are. Things are going good. Contractor's about halfway done with the house. He's getting down a little further. We're starting to find out that there was a little more rot in those fascia boards than what was thought, but uh, that that's going well. Uh, that big-ass antenna that was on the back of the house, that's gone now. Uh, oh, good. Th- yeah, th- things are going good over here. I-, I just wish the storm would hurry up and rip wide open because it's so damn muggy here right now. Yeah, I am, uh, as we're recording this on Saturday, uh, I am in, once again, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I have AirPods in. Yeah, I'm on I'm on the computer, you know, with, with my software and shit, but I'm on AirPods, so if I sound differently, that's why. Just makes it more convenient for travel, you know what I'm saying? But, uh, um, 
you know, it's with the with the whole thing, you know, house repair. You know, owning a house is cool, but it comes down to stuff like this, and this this is where it gets to be a little. God damn it! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, speaking of like, god damn it. I mean, uh, I know we go off on our sidebars and tangents here, but I mean, the big news coming out of the week is uh, little Winter Cole Smith. Yeah. That 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 certainly turned into a big big deal, didn't it? I you know, it did, and it took on a bigger aura to it than most recent ones. And recent ones meaning Amber Alerts. Um, it was it, the whole story is extremely sad. Like here locally, uh, in the state of Michigan, like it, this whole story started in Lansing. It ended in Detroit. Um, but I didn't realize the reach that this story had as you and I were kind of looking up our uh, on our different devices on, on updates and more in- information. I'm realizing this story got got reported all the way out to Portland, Oregon. Uh, this this could be reminiscent crazy. of a eighty story with baby Jessica, you know, yeah. uh, as much as this is being reported on, um, you know, uh, Rashad Malik Trice was the man's name in question who kidnapped Little Winter, and not only did he stab allegedly, we gotta say allegedly right now, right? Right. Uh, allegedly stab his. Um, girlfriend ex-girlfriend 15 times i mean 15, 15 times I, and that's to sound like a dick and he still didn't get the job done he he steals kidnaps little winter and i guess he didn't think stabbing was enough and allegedly choked her out with a cell phone cord and then dumped her body in an alley in detroit two years old man okay see i i didn't know about the cable cord. I didn't cord. get that deep into the details after the fact. Um, what I what I knew was what you what you had said up until the phone cord part. I didn't realize that's what had happened. What a motherfucker, man! I, I mean, absolute he... scum of the motherfucking earth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's only a couple things we can hope for. Number one, if he does wind up going to prison, a little bit of prison justice is in order. Which and, will come. Which will come. But, and here's the kicker, and I hope to God they don't keep him on the government payroll for the next 30 years. But he's being federally charged with this crime. And because he's being federally charged... Uh, he could face the death penalty, even though Michigan doesn't have the death penalty because he's being charged federally, he could potentially face the death penalty. And he can only hope that the government does that because that would be very, very lenient as to what his fellow prisoners will do to him in maximum security prison. Can we take a morbid sidebar to the sidebar? Absolutely. I'm all about sidebars. And if they're morbid, even better sometimes. Sometimes. 
let's say that you are a representative of the family of the victim. And you are watching this on you you are watching the trial and everything unfold. And it does indeed come down to the fact where he is put on death row. He is going to be executed for this. If the district attorney or the attorney general or whoever the fuck is, you know, makes these kind of calls, if they went to you and said this man is going to be executed for the crimes that he was was convicted of against your family member, you can choose his demise. Electric chair, lethal injection, um, which, which way are you going? I would, I'm the type of individual where I say eye for an eye. I would call for a public hanging, the same thing that happened to Winter. (coughs) And to be quite honest with you, I would like to see a baseball bat with a spike driven through the top of it and let every family member as he's hanging by his neck take a whack at him like he was a fucking pinata. Let him bleed out the same way he tried to do his girlfriend. Now, you want to talk about morbid sidebar? There you go. Because, you know, quite frankly, I don't want him to be lethally injected. And I don't want him to be electrocuted. If I had my choice, put him out in general population of a maximum security prison. Because he'll get taken care of a hell of a lot quicker than he will going through the whole government policies and you know, them them putting in, you know, extensions and putting in, you know, plea deals and this, that, and the other. You put him in gen pop, it's not going to take long for him to get what he rightfully deserves. <laughs> You're... Wow. I did not, I, I did not expect that answer, but I am not at all surprised by that answer, to say the least. Um, All right. I it's going to be interesting to see how this thing unfolds. You know, obviously I'm now more invested to see how, you know, what happens with this dude because in my book, uh he 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 demonstrated that he serves absolutely zero positive purpose in in society. And it uh, just needs to be eliminated for sure. Well, that's the problem with today's justice system is everybody who is a uh, defender, a public defender, feels that someone has the right to, or right to the attempt of being re- rehabilitated. Well, Little Winter isn't going to have that right to be rehabilitated. She She never even had a chance at life. So... Screw the public defenders and screw the court system. Let's just feed this guy to the lions and get it over with. So that's a fun option too. Actually, come to think of it, throw throw them in a fucking pen with a bunch of hungry like lions or 
some along those lines will watch it. Oh my God. Okay. Hey, let's get off this because <laughs> I. So hey, to bury them in the ground like they did the the, the, the neighbors did to Tom Hanks during the burbs. How's that? The, the, <laughs> we'll try a quick segue. There were three of them. They were digging. We're talking about obscure movies of the 1980s, ones that did not uh, get the mainstream attention or publicity, or they may have flopped at, at the box office, but they've become um, pop culture, kind, kind, kind of like a cult fan following, underground, but very passionate. Uh, some of these movies... Everybody's heard of, but we they're on this list because they don't get the the attention and the respect that we think that they deserve. Some of them you may not you may not have ever heard, and we tried to keep it fo- focused on on the 1980s because Sean, the 1980s with every blockbuster. Would you say that there there was at some point at least seven to eight movies that were re, that were made, released, and they just made no noise whatsoever? They either wound up on HBO or VHS tapes. I mean, the, and and they become kind. I don't want to say B-rated flicks, but because some of them had big name stars in them, but you. Buy a video cassette or rent a, vi- a video cassette, and you're looking at ten minutes worth of previews to movies that, by and large, we we never saw anything about until after the fact when you could rent them and this, that, and the other thing. And they start making an underground swell. And that's kind of how they come across our radar. Um, this was your idea. This was your topic. And when you think about the obscure movies of the 80s, was there one that instantly came to mind? Right off the top of my head is Zapped with Scott Bayo and Willie Ames. Uh, if you weren't a, a, a fan of that movie, number one, um, you've never watched it. Uh, that, <laughs> I mean, that what was it? Was it Scatman Carruthers? Okay, so... And, so the context of the movie is Scott Bale is a nerdy kid who winds up making a scientific breakthrough and he's able to come up with like a telekinesis type power. Willie, Willie Ames is kind of like the comedic relief. And since Scott Bale is the scientist, Willie Ames is trying to grow pot plants in the room. And at one point they have to hide the pot plants and they're throwing it into a boiler at boiler room at the school I'm sure it was Scatman Carruthers. He he goes down there, opens the door to the boiler room, gets hit in the face with uh, marijuana smoke, and next thing you know, he's on a trip where he's riding bicycles with Albert Einstein, and his wife is in a tank behind him shooting sausages at him. And, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the greatest, greatest cinematic dream sequence ever i i absolutely love that movie and it doesn't get any recognition whoa 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 oh boy hang on hang on hang on sidebar sidebar you're comparing that dream sequence to the dream sequence the dude had in the big lebowski (sighs) (laughs) now i realize big big lebowski 
comes out way later, nowhere near the 80s. But, like, you talk about dream sequences, I'm think of that one. The whole bowling alley thing and Saddam Hussein is in there renting out bowling shoes. Like, that's a creepy motherfucking sequence, but I love it. Yeah, well, you know, and I know you haven't watched it. Um, I, I don't think you have. Uh, 22 Jump Street, the dream sequence where they're stoned out of their gourd. Like, no, I didn't uh, see that oh, one. my God, dude. <laughs> they're having separate dream sequences. So you have uh, Mr. Boogie Nights. Uh, Mark Wahlberg. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'll think it was name in a second. Magic Mike, not Boogie Nights. Uh, and then Seth, Seth, Seth. Channing Tatum. Channing Tatum and uh, the fat kid from Superbad. Jonah. Jonah Hill. Yeah. So Channing Tatum is having this great dream sequence where it's like cutesy teddy bears and he's flying in the air. And Jonah Hill is having one where it's all heavy metal and he's being drugged down to hell. And so he reaches into Channing Tatum's dream sequence and trying to pull Channing Tatum down into hell with him. I'm telling you, that that one's great, too. But <laughs> going back to Zapped, <laughs> I think the funniest thing about 80s movies is high school 80s movies. Because like in every type of high school movie that was made in the 80s, every student is like 30 plus years old playing an 18 year old kid I, I, yeah. I, it's hilarious um have you ever seen the movie three o'clock high man see i feel like i have but if i did nothing stands out about it well the, <laughs> the guy who plays um the bully in this one i believe is the same bully from cobra from with Sylvester Stallone, really? Yeah, the 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 evil guy in a Cobra, but he's a high school student. He looks exactly the same in high school <laughs> as he does in Cobra. <laughs> you, know, you 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 talk about that scenario, and there's another one that you had mentioned along those lines of. A much older dude trying trying to be a high school student, and that was hiding out with John Cryer. John Cryer, yeah. Uh, John, that that movie gets no love from no. anybody. I thought that movie was absolutely fantastic. Uh, matter of fact, I think I actually owned that one on DVD. What the hell did you say? <laughs> I might have to go back there and watch that one. Um, but yeah, go back, watch these high school movies. Like, um, another one of my favorites, I'm going to look it up real quick just so I can get the guy's name because he is a very popular actor, but movie by the name of my bodyguard. Have you seen this one? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yes, I did. Okay. And can I, can I tell you a quick story as how this one came across my radar? Absolutely. I, I, what year did that come out? Like 85, 19, No, 1980. Oh, was it that? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I started writing uh, creatively when I was in about the fourth grade. And I had an interest in movies and I had written a general story 
of for a movie called My Bodyguard. And like I like I let my mom and dad read it and they were like, Oh my god, this is I mean, they could have been just gaslighting me for all the fuck I know. <laughs> you know, this is great, you know, this is gonna be something. But like I let other people read it, like, man, this is a good story. So I'm thinking it, you know, I'm gonna make a movie that's going that's gonna be called My Bodyguard. And it was actually one of my brother's friends that's like, Yeah, I've seen that. I'm like, you see what? Like, he's like, the movie, My Bodyguard. I'm like, fuck! There's already a movie called that? So, yeah. Uh, so, I did wind up watching it, and I thought it was a decent movie. Yeah. It, it had a lot of big-name people in it, too. I mean, Matt Dillon, Joan Cusack, Adam Baldwin, Jennifer Beals. You know, it, it's kind of Martin Mall, who I get confused with Jeffrey Jones. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, <laughs> but, you know... Ah, here's one for you, and you actually brought this one up. Think about this one. Okay. He, okay, he played a high school student, but he was dead. We're talking about the heavenly kid. Oh, God. I That, that <laughs> movie gets me in the feels in a different way than any other movie. It's... That's the so ending criminally underrated. Yes. Um, Lewis Smith plays yes. Bobby Fontana. And he looks like he's 35 years old <laughs> as this high school student. And he's supposed to be the same age as Jason Gedrick, who actually looked like a high school kid. But what was funny was Emily, his girlfriend, looks exactly the same as being 16 years old as she does when she's 42, as Jason Kendrick's mother. Right, right. <laughs> you know, I often wondered, like, and I'm going to jump to Sharky real quick, like Revenge of the Nerds. I wonder if the students looked older, like not so much for Heavenly Kid, because they didn't have any nudity in the Heavenly Kid, but like in Revenge of the Nerds, you had to be 18 years old in order to show any skin. Right. There was plenty of skin to be shown in Revenge of the Nerds, so you know that those guys, obviously, uh, they were over, definitely over 18 years old in that movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, I guess as, as I sit here and I think about it, all the movies that, uh, you know, was centered around high schools or the high school scene primarily, I'm thinking of like The Breakfast Club. I'm thinking of Ferris Bueller's Day Off because Jennifer Grey and Matthew Broderick, for 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 that matter, I know these are more popular movies, but they very much looked older. Like yeah. Matthew Broderick had like a five o'clock fucking shadow, man. <laughs> <laughs> hey, going back to Heavenly Kid. Yes. How much? Did, how much did uh, Rafferty remind you of? Uh... Oh my God! Why can't I think of his name? He was in Bill and Ted. You're gonna smack me next time you see me. Oh, Rufus. Rufus. Rafferty reminds me so much of Rufus in character. At the end, when him and Bobby are driving off into heaven onto Harley Davidson, I, it's so much, you know, Rufus to to me in that scene alone. I totally agree. Um, he definitely had. 
that role, Donald Pat, but he did it and because yeah, there there's similarities, but like one is definitely not a rip off of the other. And Richard Mulligan playing that role, uh, who we had known primarily from Punky Brewster, uh, he he was fucking perfect in it. Absolutely oh, perfect. It was great. And I forgot Bobby didn't go to heaven. He went uptown instead yeah. of going downtown because he was stuck in midtown. Yeah. <laughs> The big guy didn't think he was quite ready yet. <laughs> right. You know, and, and a lot of times, too, you know, movies in the 80s, and we've talked about this before, they really had a message, an underlying message behind them. Uh, movies nowadays, you know, well, I guess we really can't see that because, you know, Terminator, Predator, well, no, Terminator had a message to it. They, you know, they didn't want the advancement of techni- technology to take over mankind. Uh, right. But Predator was a whole lot of boom, boom, pow, pow. You know, there wasn't no message behind Predator, I don't think. No. No. Completely just mind-numbing fun. <laughs> just oh. shit blowing up and people dying. I uh, After we had our little discussion, I went ahead and I looked it up. And I went and I found uh, Space Camp. Yeah. Did you, uh, did, you, did you ever watch that movie? I feel like I rented it one time from the Hadley video. Yeah? Yeah. The Hadley video. (laughs) It's so funny because you look back on these people's careers and you would never see them claim that they were in the movie Space Camp. But it was such a good movie. You had Kate Capshaw, Leah Thompson, Kelly Preston, Larry B. Scott. And who was Larry B. Scott? Lamar Luttrell from Revenge of the Nerds. He had Joaquin, <laughs> Joaquin <laughs> Phoenix, the Joker, uh, Tate Donovan, Tom Skerritt. I mean, so much talent in that one movie. And it's so underrated, it's not even funny. Tate Donovan. Yes. Do you know who he was uh, married to at one time? No, I never paid any if, attention. Yeah, not not a lot of people did until uh, after after they had split. I think they were married. If they weren't married, they they were fixing to be. Uh, R- Rachel Green. Really? Yeah, Jennifer Aniston. Yep. Oh man, well, lucky devil. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the heavenly kid. What's that? I was gonna say Tate Donovan's still acting too. I yeah. just seen him in a movie called Bloodfest here, not too. Yeah, I know a horror movie, but Bloodfest not too long ago. So, and he actually did a really admirable job in it too. I mean, good actor. I don't think he ever got the type of recognition that he deserved either. And by the way, the soundtrack in Space Camp, incredible, incredible soundtrack. No one yeah. ever mentions it. <clears throat> that could be another goddamn episode for later on. You know, uh, you talk about movies that didn't that don't get enough love, but this one, I mean, this one is really starting to to gain its own following. Like, I am a member of a couple you know, different fan pages for this, um, The Burbs, uh, with Tom Hanks, and it's one of his earlier movie roles. Comes out in 1988, and like. The, for my brother and me, this was, 
on our Mount Rushmore of favorite movies that we would watch, you know, together. So this one, this one hits me in the feels too. Not quite on the level of the Heavenly Kid, but uh, this one is r- right up there. Where's Where's the Burbs on your radar in terms of Tom Hanks flicks? One of my all-time favorite movies. Plus, it has Corey Feldman without Corey Haim in it. And yeah. Corey Feldman, we all know what a fan of Corey Feldman Sean is. Uh, matter of fact, September 15th, I am going to the Token Lounge so I can watch Corey Feldman and his angels perform. So I am Where's going. Where's the Token Lounge? Uh, Chesterfield Township. Huh. So I am pretty damn excited about that. Is he doing a meet and greet? If he does, I will pay for it. I I will mark out like a little kid. And I will, I, I, I will, I will uh, immediately turn to thirteen years old. <laughs> yeah, get it, get a soundbite too, if you could. If I can. I, I don't know. I haven't looked into the meet and greet yet. You know, he's kind of <laughs> he's kind of skittish about the whole public appearances thing anymore. So, you know, without a doubt, blame him. Yeah, yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Um. But the Burbs, man, what a story! What was the what was the uh, soldier's name with the hot wife? Oh my God, Rumsfeld. He Rumsfeld. Is what <laughs> make, he's he's what makes the movie for me. I was going to say, you 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 said you know uh, Tom Hanks, but the first person I think of is Rumsfeld in that movie. I mean, yeah. that guy talk about a scene stealer. Yeah. <laughs> And he didn't even mean to, dude. He could be in the fucking background of the scene while Tom Hanks is talking, and he'll make a facial expression that's just completely off the cuff. And, you'll, and I dial in on that shit. And if I see something like that, like that's it's those little things that why Jeff and I laughed our asses off at at that movie, especially with him because he was so animated. Like that scene where he falls off the roof. <laughs> <laughs> he's just so animated and I realize it's a stunt double and shit but like it <laughs> he uh yeah Bruce Dern like it he he's what made that movie for sure well, sure, sure it wasn't Walter or the quarterback <laughs> when when uh Art and Ray are running from the wasp's nest from the Kopex house. And he's grabs his water hose. He goes, taking off with the water hose. It's too short. And it throws him up in the air. <laughs> Run to water. Run to water. That cracks me up. And that Art, the guy that played Art, um, did you know that he was in Little Monsters? Yes, I do. Uh, I yeah. did not know that. Um, what an asshole was... he played, too. And everything I had seen him in, he's since passed away. But Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, everything that I had seen him in, what a fucking, like, even in the burbs, like, I just wanted to punch him. <laughs> I loved it when he got into the refrigerator, drank the milk out of the carton, turns and looks at Carrie Fisher, says, you're almost out of milk. <laughs> <laughs> Grab the whole pineapple out there sitting on the table. Nobody's eating this, right? <laughs> right. I, I, I love that character. He's, he, you know, and he played pretty much, except for Little Monsters, he played pretty much the same character in Everything that he was in, it seemed. Yeah. I think he played a couple military roles, but you know, okay. yeah. I I don't know. I don't got it in front of me. I could, I could, I could break up the Google machine here and see what else he was in. Um, but yeah, he he was one of my favorites, man. Uh, 
Oh, he was a prison guard in Spaceballs. I didn't know that. What? Yeah. Yep. It says known for, and the very first thing is Spaceballs, 1987 prison guard. So. Well, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that now because I never knew that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Cindy's dad in, in a scary movie. <laughs> But he kept trying to get her to hide the drugs. If they find yeah. the drugs, don't don't tell them daddy's name. <laughs> <laughs> Here's another little known role he was in. He was in jury duty. He was the real Frank. Remember when he was trying to get out of jury duty on the steps of the courthouse, putting the neck brace on and the arm sling on? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my gosh. I forgot all about that. Oh. Well, switching gears a little bit, and still, I mean, this, you you mentioned uh, this movie, you know, also starring Tom Hanks, The Money Pit. The Money Pit with Shelley Long. Yeah. That's what my house is right now. <laughs> I, see, I didn't want to say that, Sean. I, I Like, it was so on the tip of my tongue. I, I was going to say something like, I feel like this resonates with you right now. <laughs> yeah, the only but my good. The only thing I don't got going on is the pond in the backyard with the black mamba uh, actually tied to my ankle as I'm running away. <laughs> that was so bad. They didn't even try to cover up the string that connected yeah. that snake to Tom Hanks's leg. But man, what a movie that one was. Yeah, I that's one of the, that's one of those. I remember my mom and dad sitting down watching that, and both of them laughing like. What, what was it? The bathtub goes through through the fucking floor and all the way down t- to the bottom. Um, like I re- I remember them both laughing at that scene. Um, you know, and you it, it's cool to go back and see Tom Hanks in the very beginning parts of his movie career up until what he's become here and now. So it's kind of cool. I, I got to double check to make sure that this is an '80s movie. As we were as you were talking about that. It just hit me, this movie, very underrated. Yes, it is, 1988. You ready? Yeah. Stars one Richard Pryor. Moving. Moving, absolutely. (laughs) It's another, that is another one that would be very high on the list for, for Jeff and I. One of our favorite movies. Yeah. Criminally underrated. Why did I not think of that one? And you know, I had Randy Quaid in it, which absolutely hilarious is Frank. The, yeah, Frank and uh, and his twin brother. What? Um, Cornell. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I loved it when he was chasing Richard Pryor with the helicopter. I'm gonna get you, Arlo Pear. You can run, oh, but shit, you Frank. can't hide. <laughs> and, I forget how he took the helicopter route, but mayday, mayday. <laughs> he ran he ran in into the house and slammed the door and the helicopter smashed into the front door. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you also had uh, what was it, David Spade as the dude with multiple personalities that took D- his Dana Carvey. Dana Carvey, that's who it was, yeah. Yeah. Oh, those are those are two easy ones to get mixed up, but still Yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. But had multiple personalities driving that sob from one side of the states to the other. You like it's my so car? It has a really big engine. 
Oh my god. <laughs> and then when the thing shows up, it's just the shell of the car. Shell of the car looks like something out of Mad Max. <laughs> oh god. King Kong Bundy makes makes an appearance in that movie. He does as one of the moving people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You sure you don't want to move to what was it, Mardi Gras? Whatever <laughs> the fuck it was. We New Orleans. A house. In Boise, Idaho, Boise, we are yeah. moving to Boise, Idaho. Oh, God bless America. That <laughs> that one gets me, too. That's a, that's a good one. I'm surprised. I can't believe I didn't put that on my initial list here. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go through. I'm going to look at our list real quick. Explorers was on the list. Yeah. Just one of the guys, one of the first movies where I saw my first pair of boobies on a movie screen. So Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Starman, the boy who could fly. The boy who could fly is another one, dude. That that I feel like if any movie should deserve a cult following in this resurgence in popularity, it's that one. You want to talk about a unique story? Like I really enjoyed that. That wasn't movie. that the neighbor, the girl from Goonies, in that? No, she was the girl in. The Great Outdoors. Okay. Yeah, Lucy yeah, yeah. Deacons, I believe, was her name. And I had a big crush on her when those movies came out. And I'm like, yeah. why did she not become a bigger thing? I don't know. Well, it's just like the girl that played in, uh, oh, what was that witch movie? S Sabrina? No, 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 no. No, 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 no. Uh, I'll think of it. Uh, Teenage Witch. You remember that movie? Robin Robin Lively was the girl who played that. Oh, okay. Yeah, you see. I don't think she became... That was 1989, so yeah, we're allowed to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Zelda Rubenstein was in that movie. I forgot about that. She was the the little short lady from Poltergeist, right? This house is cleansed. <laughs> that chick was creepy as fuck, dude. Talk about one line that defined a person's entire career. That was, this house is cleansed, dude. <laughs> Best one-liners of the nineteen eighties. Coming soon to the PFC network. Oh man, <laughs> yeah that now that movie was something else too. I'm surprised that girl didn't go on to anything bigger than what she did. You know, um, oh god, Brewster's Millions. We didn't even mention that one. That's one of the best Richard Pryor movies ever, I think. But that's you, just you in in our in our conversation you put in here solar babies i don't know solar babies oh you don't know solar babies no so solar babies um i'm not going to touch my my phone but it had the dude from uh lost boys in it the guy that played the big brother and a couple other people and anyway it was about a very unique game you remember uh roller games when that came out yes came out about the same time as american gladiators so yeah. what they did in this movie, uh, they found this sphere by the name of Bondi and uh, or Bodhi, Bodhi, no Bondi. It was one of those B names. Anyway, uh, 
<laughs> but they created a very unique game, very similar to what Harry Potter's Quidditch was, except they were doing it on roller skates in this movie. And it was almost like armies competing against each other in these games. It was a whole wasteland type movie. Very, very uh, obscure, unique movie. Uh, I, I, I'm going to jump into it because there was a couple names in there. It'll surprise you that uh, they were in there and, you know, you don't hear about it. Um, cast. Here we go. Jamie Gertz. Oh, yeah. Jason Patrick from Lost Boys. Okay. Lucas Haas. All right. Um, let me find. There was one more guy in here that. Uh, Claude Brooks. So. Jimmy Gertz is another one of those that, man, that chick was hot. And, like, I thought she was going to become a bigger thing, too. And she didn't. Like, she was in Crossroads. She was in. Uh, she was in Twister. She was yeah that that was the first time I had seen her in a long time and she still looks good yeah she was in Lost Boys she uh, I'm looking through summer all oh, mischief was a good one oh boy looks like she's doing Hallmark Christmas movies some bitch yes. well there goes her career Fuck uh, off. I mean <laughs> there's a resurgence in that man that's where they go to resurrect stuff because. You laugh, but those those ratings that come in um, are among the highest going on television at that time of year. It does it, it doesn't it doesn't count if Jason Klaus is watching the same movie fifteen times. There's only so many times you could tell the story of girl meets boy. Girl breaks up with boy. Girl finds other boy. Boy she broke up with tries to get girl back. It no. Or girl girl has to repeat Christmas till she gets the old boyfriend back. Or you know something silly like that. No no no. That formula is cliche. I'd I'd rather watch Krampus or Black Christmas or something like that at this point. No, don't be writing no novel about. <laughs> I am erasing the last 90 seconds of our conversation from my brain. <laughs> I will not stand for this blasphemy. I will not have you sit here and and disparage the good goddamn name. All <laughs> Mark Christmas movies. <laughs> you know, not to get off subject, but we but are you, getting but. but we are getting closer to new Hallmark Christmas movies because I saw they have the signs up for Spirit Halloween up, and they've been up for about two weeks already. So wow. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, just for you, though, I'm going to look something up. Okay, well, while you're looking that up, can I talk about the, the 1986 should-have-been blockbuster Maximum Overdrive? Because that's Oh, yeah. List. Yeah, absolutely. What absolutely. a story that is. As cheesy as it is in, in some scenes, like... Number one, you want to talk about soundtracks? ACDC's Who Made Who album is the soundtrack to Maximum Overdrive. And that's why that's what really brought ACDC out of my radar. Sync to Pink is one of my favorite under you know, lesser known ACDC songs. I wanted to use that as ring music at one time, but and I know people are going, What the hell do you mean Sync to Pink? Go get on your Google machine, go on your YouTube, punch it in and listen. It has some of the coolest riffs you've ever heard. 
That one and um, Shake Your Foundations is another um, underappreciated ACDC song. doesn't get hardly, if any, airplay. Um, Like I said, that came across my radar because of Maximum Overdrive. Um, Some pretty big names in this one off the top of my head. Emilio Estevez, Mr. 1980s in some regards. Uh, Pat Hingle, who... Um, fans may know who played uh, Commissioner Gordon in the Warner Brothers, the first four Batman movies, you know, with Michael Keaton and then Val Kilmer and then George Clooney playing Batman, respectively. Um, Laura Harrington is in this thing. And one of the, uh, the first time I had seen Yardley Smith, on screen and she is the voice of lisa simpson on the simpsons so when she's talking during this movie it is lisa simpson's fucking voice it's kind of weird dude um but the whole concept of this comet um fucking with the atmosphere of earth and all the machines now take on lives of their own and like the first 10 minutes as they're laying this out, like the lawnmower is running over people in the yard. And running over little kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, just some crazy, crazy shit. Well, this was a Stephen King story. Yep. And he actually makes a cameo appearance at the ATM machine in the very beginning. The the, the machine called him an asshole, Sean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you, you brought up Beardley Smith. Um very first movie I've seen her in, and I was actually watching it last night. Very underrated, very underappreciated movie. Legend of Billie Jean. Do you remember this movie? Because I see a blank look come over your face. I don't really. Know. So, Legend of Billie Jean is like a coming of age type tale. Um, girl's brother gets beat up, and his scooter gets busted up and they go to get the uh money uh the the guy who beat up her brother gets shot or his her his dad gets shot so they go on to run and it's about fair is fair it has uh helen slater is billy jean um christian slater plays her brother um were they related in real life nope i didn't think so nope um but Legend of Billie Jean, if you ever get the opportunity to check it out, I think you might actually like it because it actually goes into uh, uh, Joan of Arc type story where she creates her own army to go after the, you know, the the, 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 the hands of oppression type of deal. And uh, it's actually a very, very good movie. But you're absolutely right. When I was watching it last night and I hear Yardley Smith, I'm like, yep, that's Lisa Simpson, for God's sakes. You just can't yeah. get it out of your head. No, no. And like we we talked well last week a little bit uh, when I was watching these clips of Mel Blank, the voice that, you know, the dude that does all the Looney Tunes voices, seeing him do the voices is a complete mindfuck for me. And Yardley Smith is no exception, <laughs> you know, because it's like, I know that voice, but that's not the face I know it with. So it's just kind of weird. Let me see here. Um, 
Let's 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 go look one more time here. Okay. Um going going back to look at what we sent back and forth. Man, did we text a lot before this, didn't we? We did. Um let's see here. Conspiracy theories, distractions. People under conspiracy theories the last couple of weeks. Holy crap. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Why why am I missing? I put, I put commando on, on that list just because I don't know. I it just didn't feel like it got a lot of mainstream buzz until after the fact. But it, I I don't know if it's because it came out in such a concentrated time where these action adventure blow them up, shoot them up movies were like every other week. It seemed like somebody was coming out with something. So yeah. I don't know if it's just, just got lost in, in the shuffle or whatever because when people talk about Ar- Arnold movies, that's usually not one that's high up on the list where it's in my top three. Um, it's it's funny that you brought that up because as I'm looking through the list, I'm listening to you. You know, Arnold Schwarzenegger being the action star he is, one of my favorite movies, and I completely glazed over it again until I got to looking at the text messages was uh, Dabney Coleman and Henry Thomas in Cloak and Dagger. You know, yeah. and Dabney Coleman play, played an action hero in that one by the name of Jack Black. Wow. That just came out. Jack Black. That's pretty fucking weird. But, um, or was it Jack Flack? It was Jack Black, wasn't it? I believe so. And, uh, and that's got the woman with the missing fingers. <laughs> <laughs> but... That movie's a pretty incredible movie that didn't get hardly any recognition at all. Um, you also mentioned Eddie and the Cruisers, too. Eddie and the Cruisers, uh, you know, John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Man, uh, they did the soundtrack for that movie, but Michael Paré, uh, lip-syncing it, everyone thought that he was actually Eddie Wilson and singing those songs. Uh, I go to karaoke, I like to sing on the dark side, and the first thing people say is, oh, Eddie and the Cruisers. No, John right. Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band. Yeah. So, and they, they look at you cross-eyed and, you know, that you're wrong, and I'm really not. <laughs> you go ahead and believe, when, you know, you just live in your world over there, we'll live over here, that's cool, you know, we, we know what's what. Yeah, because uh, the first one came out 82, 83. And, um, like, the dude that was playing Eddie Wilson. Michael Paré. Just, he just, he was perfect. Yes. He was perfect at it. Because you believed in what you were seeing. Well, it was just like in Eddie, too, that young kid he had playing the guitar. Yeah. That kid was so, I don't know if he was playing, I still haven't looked into it. I don't know if he was really playing that guitar or not, but he looked like. I mean, he was hitting the notes on that guitar. He looked like he was jamming that thing. Yeah. Yeah, Eddie and the Cruisers, too, is very... Oh, my God. Uh-oh. Weekend at Bernie's. Oh, jeez. Yes. <laughs> yes. Was that... Uh, was that Jonathan Silverman? Yes, it was. And oh. Andrew McCarthy. And Andrew McCarthy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who played Bernie Lomax, but for that guy... Terry Kaiser. Terry Kaiser. Okay, we can have Bernie's too. I, I I liked a little bit better just because Bernie doing the stupid dancing. <laughs> but the first, uh, you got you got to keep in mind 
Whereas I would give Weekend at Bernie's a nine. I would just probably give Weekend at Bernie's two like a nine point two five. Just to to see Bernie's body being possessed by the voodoo queen, and the the two the two the two uh, black guys that put the voodoo curse on him, they couldn't find a chicken, so they brought in a bucket of KFC. You remember <laughs> who's a voodoo? The voodoo, the voodoo, <laughs> and Bernie. Kids up from the bathroom stall and you know leading them to the treasure. I the first weekend at Bernie's was so funny and like groundbreaking. Like uh, Kaiser didn't have to say a single word, and his performance was absolutely magical. It was all the facial expressions, man. <laughs> it was just, just he, yeah, he was great. Up, up, and I mean he he. Talked a little bit up until his character met his demise or whatever, but once that part of the story kicks in, just the physical comedy of the whole thing. When they're sitting on the patio and when Andrew McCarthy's got got him rigged up, so he pulls a string, so it looks like his arm is waving at him. <laughs> Fucking hilarious, dude! <laughs> I love it where he's just sitting on the couch, glasses are crooked, he's got that smirk on his face. And the girl's feeling him up, looking for the drugs. I hear you got something for me. <laughs> and Andrew McCarthy's sitting there, God, he, he's getting more action dead than I get alive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, great, Lord. great movie. Well, what do you say we uh, wrap this one up, buddy? I'm starting to run out of ammunition. A, yeah, we're going to put a bow on it. As a it bow. Were. A bow. Um, hey. Head over to the uh, online store. You know, what What I did uh, the last couple of days is added more merchandise up there. So, uh, and next week we launch our back-to-school line. So that'll be cool. Nice. I've been working on that today. Also, I noticed on the Facebook page, it's no longer uh, CTTH Presents Power Tripping Through the 80s, but it is now just Power Tripping Through the 80s on Facebook. Yep. Uh, also... Levi Blue has a cameo out with a mission. And that mission is to get Emmanuel Lewis to give us that damn shout-out we've been talking about for a year. So book a cameo with Levi Blue so that way we can get that shout-out. You know what I started doing? Uh-oh. No. I've gone back the last few episodes that I know that this has been brought up and I've clipped those segments of, of the show where we're talking about Emmanuel Lewis and I'm going to put them when I'm going to compile them yeah. and, and uh, launch a campaign. <laughs> nice. I, I, I tell you what, for um, Emmanuel Lewis, uh, from the time of Mam and George to going into uh, the ring and beating the shit out of Dickie Roberts, I mean, <laughs> Emmanuel Lewis is timeless in my book and actually... Besides Corey Feldman, he ranks right up there in my top three 80 celebrities. I love Emmanuel Lewis. Yeah, he uh, he definitely is an icon for us. And as far as not just you and I, but for our generation, man, like everybody watched that show. And he was uh, he was iconic. He was all over. Anybody that got to rub shoulders with Michael Jackson at the height of Michael uh, of Michael's fandom popularity in the mid to, you know late eighties, 
uh, was okay in my book. You're doing yeah. something right. Yep. I mean, plus he uh, he got to hang out with uh, uh, was it George Papadopoulos, uh, a.k.a. Yeah. Alex Karras, yeah. who, if you know Alex Karras, he was a professional football player. He was a professional wrestler. The dude was a legitimate beast, and he got to hang Played out with the Lions. Yeah. He got to hang out with Ma'am, who, <laughs> I forget her name, uh, Catherine oh. Papadopoulos, wasn't it? Yeah. But you remember, uh, she she played Cherry Forever, I think, in the Porky's movie. She was the yes. hooker. Yes. So, yes. I'm, I'm trying to think of what her real name is. Susan? Oh. God damn it, Sean. No, I, oh, I got to the Google machine. I got to. It's going to drive me nuts. But her role in Porky's was absolutely. Porky's! There's a little known, underrated 80s movie that no one ever talks about. A little more on the raunchier side, but Porky's was absolutely incredible. Was her name Catherine Hellman? No. Who's no, no, I'm wrong. Susan Catherine Hellman was the older lady. She was on Who's the Boss? Okay. That's that's the mom. Um, Hang on, I got it right here. Susan Clark. Susan Clark. Catherine Papadopoulos. Were they, her and Alex Karras married in real life or no? Just out of curiosity. I thought I saw something on that order. Yes, they were. They were. They were I thought they, so. Okay. They were on 1980 to 2012. Yep. So, but hey, get on that cameo thing, or hell, just donate money directly to us. I'm sure Jason will come up with something in the campaign. Let's get the Emmanuel Lewis. Let's get that shout out out. Uh, new three minute nostalgia. We'll be recording here, and I got a special guest going to be here tomorrow. He's going to help me out with one of them, and. Uh, I love special guests. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, oh, oh uh, also, uh, I'm at about $20 or so on 80s Power Trip. So we're about $50 away there on my eBay account. So check out the eBay account, 80s Power Trip. Check out the seller. I'm selling all kinds of cool 80s you know, video games, PlayStation 2, Nintendo, you name it. That's right. This is the money show part of the show. Don't you stop it at this point, damn it, or we're going to hunt you down. So, we all right, know Jason, where I'm you all live. That's all right. <laughs> Check out the online store forward slash PFC network, all of our social media accounts through Facebook, or you can find our one stop shop over at close to the heart.net, the official website of the PFC network. With that, go out, be awesome to yourselves and to each other. We'll see you right back here next Wednesday with a new episode of Power Tripping Through the 80s on the PFC Entertainment Network. Mm-hmm.